and trains and we're prepared for it with new techniques and new approaches. And as for our part, we feel that you're the best pieces of manpower available in this whole region. We're getting ready to have a live spectrum. What we were trying to say, you got to walk home, walk home, walk home. Welcome to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. To reach Devin Wade with a question or comment, follow him on Twitter at Wadesword. Be a part of the group on Facebook by joining the Sports Talk with Devin Wade group or liking the page. Welcome to episode 38 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. Devin Wade with you. And on this episode, the Silver Fox Kevin Allen is in the building. And today we'll talk a little bit of Major League Baseball, the World Series. In addition to that, we will talk some NFL and a whole lot of NBA talk. But first and foremost, want to thank you for tuning in and remind you, don't know how you found us, but we're on iTunes Tune in and SoundCloud. You can also tweet me at Wade's Word, W A D E S W O R D. And of course, you can find me on Facebook, the Sports Talk with Devin Wade page and group. And again, I just urge you guys to subscribe and leave a comment. We really, really seek and want to hear from you. Any feedback you'd like to offer, anything you want to hear, any segments you like or don't like, we're open to listening to you guys. And if you're in a certain part of the country, because we literally have listeners from all over the country, we want to know what you're interested in hearing about. If, If we can talk about your team a little bit more, we certainly will delve into that or we could talk about your city or what are your favorite player, whatever the case may be. We aim to please here. What well, would episode 38 want to bring in uh, the silver Fox, Kevin Allen, Kev, what a week here in the city of Houston with the world series. Now, as we record, we are awaiting game four of the world series. The Astros with a two, one lead. What are your thoughts about the world series through three games? Very exciting. Uh, interesting. Keeps you close to the television. This is some pretty good baseball that we've been seeing. Uh, games of, of runs. So Astros have been uh, get finally gotten their bats to wake up. Good pitching, uh, strategic uh, move by the management. Uh, so I'm, I'm excited. It's been a weird, uh, really a kind of weird postseason for the Astros. The last series, no road team won a game, and you go and you steal one, which – uh, again, was a tough win. Uh, one of the classic baseball games in World Series history. What a game in game two. And I want to go back to a move. And, and we've gotten to this broader discussion on the Houston show about analytics. And I just think that analytics can be overrated. It's it's a tool that you use. I don't think that you live by that, especially in high-pressure situations. You may have a guy, and, and, and I, I say that because you pull Rich Hill at the four innings, and now you expose your bullpen to that vicious Astros offense. And I think it's a lot of exposure, and I think that they picked them apart through uh, the last two games at least. And I think that move, which was an analytical move that has really sort of been their M.O., the Dodgers' M.O. throughout the season, I think that's what they what got them there. But I think in those precious situations – you have to look at the situation and look at the man. And I think uh, people are approaching, we have general managers doing this. Daryl Morey right here in Houston does that. What is your value? Where is the best place for you on the court to be successful? When you take away the human element, you want these guys to be almost like human video games. I think you not only miss an opportunity to have those kind of moments that people tune in for all of their lives, you also 
take away the opportunity to win games, and I think that really hurt Dave Robinson in the Dodgers the other night. What are, you, what are your thoughts on that? I'm not big on that analytics. I, I trust the, the eye, and in that case, this is something that Coach Roberts have been doing all season with the Dodgers, been doing a pretty good job with it as well. So he trusts his eye, and, and it kind of backfired on him in that game. And so how do you see the rest of the series moving forward? I mean, I think with the energy here in this city – and how loud it is in the building, it, it is a, a formidable task for the Dodgers to overcome. I know that they're like, wow. I, I can't imagine many baseball venues louder than what we've seen in Houston throughout this postseason, uh, post uh, game seven, and, and now game three. And going into game four tonight, it'll be the roof will be raised in that place. Uh, what do you? How do you see it playing out over the next couple of games in the World Series? Getting the split out in L.A. was huge for the Astros, with, and especially coming back home, winning that first game in your on your, on your home field. Now it's a 2-1 lead for them. Game four is going to be huge. If the Astros can come out victorious with that one, maybe lights, out, off, yeah. maybe lights out for the Dodgers because that next game is – Now you got Dallas Keigel coming back up and Verlander. So in five and six – if you're the Dodgers, this is definitely a must win. And then, at any case, you want to make sure you get back to L.A. And, and you want to get in front of your home crowd. So, I think tonight is a must win for the Dodgers. You don't want to be down, what, three games to one. Then you have Verlander coming up. And I'm telling you, man, this is this is crazy. This is going to be an exciting a couple of days for the city of Houston, who hadn't seen a champion since 94-95. We were here for that. And, boy, I tell you what, and I was much, much younger, and I was really out in the streets, and it was just uh, – it was – you did all the things that you think you would do for a championship. But I just remember the immense civic pride, just the pride of my city, native Houstonian. And so, for me, you know, we had went through all the, the – you know, the disappointments and the defeats. We went through five slammer jammer. We went through the Astros in 81 and 86. We went through the, the Oilers in 78, 79, and 80. And we went through all of those years with Warren Moon and all that success in the Buffalo game. We had gone through all of that. And and when you get that championship for the first time and what it means for your city, it's it's really a phenomenal thing that I don't think people really truly understand how important it is to a community. And us here in the city of Houston overcoming Hurricane Harvey, that's a big, big deal for us. Although, and again, I will say this, just to put it in perspective, especially – in the minority community, on our local sports talk show, it was really hard throughout the season to get people to talk baseball. And I think there's a, a generation of baseball fans that have been passed by. That, that You missed that opportunity for a generation of baseball fans because of the, the, the Jordan effect and the NFL and how it's grown in popularity. I think that you miss those folks who are really knowledgeable baseball people. So now you have old, a much older audience in the African-American community to talk baseball. So it's been a weird thing, but the excitement has ramped up quite a bit. Of course, the Astros went to the World Series in 2005 and were swept. Uh, but I think that not everybody's on board now, and you see across the board how this is uniting this community in, in much of the same way, in a different way, but uh, in, for a different reason, rather, that Hurricane Harvey kind of united, united and galvanized the city. Yeah, you have to seize the moment when you get that opportunity with the Astros in right now. You can't let that pass you by, and they're, they're, they're seizing the moment. Uh, when you look at, at the, the way that they're swinging the bats and they've come alive now, that's kind of scary because during the year they scored some runs, 
in the first couple of games in L.A. They kind of struggled getting those bats going. But last night. And they night, struggled in New York for the previous series. Right. And then last night, those bats woke up and jump-started them early, got the momentum going, and the rest was history on that game. And I have to say, like you said, well, another thing that sort of made me bitter about baseball in Houston is that the Astros were forced to go to the American League. And I was the first one to say, look, the Astros will never go to the World Series because you have to not only face the Yankees and the Red Sox each year who have an unlimited and budget. And the Cleveland Indians. Well, I mean, that's this year, but traditionally it's always going to be Boston. It's always going to be New York. In addition to that, you had the Texas Rangers and the, the, the Angels, the Los Angeles Angels, that they have started to spend money beyond the pale. And I thought that there was no way that the Astros would be able to break through. But this team has a young nucleus. And I want to say the veteran leadership with McCann and Carlos Beltran and some of those guys – that really benefited this team. But you have a young core uh, with Correa and, and Springer, who's not as young as people think. And and then, of course, you had the best player in baseball. Yeah, I said it. And Jose Altuve. It's, this is a team and with Keiko and maybe with Verlander moving forward and, and really some improvement uh, with your starting rotation. They, they'll be right back at it with the Indians again, with the Yankees again. This is going to be an interesting baseball season, a couple of seasons moving forward. But let's see if the Astros can seize the opportunity, like you said, to close this one out. Uh, any predictions on this thing? Not yet. It's still a long series. Uh, it can go I, at any time. So I think we here in Houston kind of they've already mapped the parade route. They're ready for this championship. Yeah, they're, they're, they've mapped it, but Dodgers aren't going to go laying down. Uh, and one thing that I've seen with the Astros, when they got Verlander, which really solidified that starting rotation. When you have a, a good one-two punch like that half, right. And now you can have those other guys as your third and fourth starters when they were two and three makes you much better. So that starting rotation is pretty good. And if those bats can stay hot, may win it, may win it here, close it out if they can win that game today. I, I'm, I think they'll lose today. And I think moving forward, they will win it in six. So I, I think that I think that's how that will go. I think the Astros will win in six. And, and I think it'll be Verlander to be bring it home for if, them. If the Astros win today, it won't go back to L.A. The, the Dodgers will go back to L.A., but Houston won't make that trip. <laughs> well, we'll have to see moving forward. want to switch gears here because something that sort of dimmed the light for the Houston Astros and their World Series run, at least here in the city of Houston, were headlines made by Bob McNair, the owner of the Houston Texans, and essentially what he said was in a closed-door meeting that we can't let the inmates run the prison. And, boy, when that broke, the the Twitter the Twitterverse really exploded and went crazy. We talked about it on the, on the show, and there's layers to the conversation. Uh, and I know you had breaking news on that, and that McNair met and spoke with the team this morning already, right? Yeah, he's already spoken with the team to to voice his apology to his his, his ball, uh, football players, and uh, I'm I'm still not good with that. You know, he's stating that he apologized for the statement that was reported. You have to own up to this and say, "Hey, I dropped the ball, and this is what I said. Uh, I want you guys to accept my apology. Moving forward, I'll do better." But to just say that, you know, for the statements that's that was reported, that that's still not owning up to it. You know, you have to you gotta own up to this because you still didn't do it by saying what was reported because something that can be reported could be false. But you said this. So you have to own up to that. Well, you know, and and I want to explain to people why 
because there are a lot of people who listen this morning and listen to the podcast and not understand why that is such an offensive term. Because the, the saying is you can't let the inmates run the asylum. OK, I've heard that. Never heard the inmates run the prison. But beyond that, I mean, from your perspective and, and I can elaborate as well. But I want to from your perspective, why is that such an offensive term for, for those who don't understand why it's offensive well it's offensive to me because you you you're saying that you treat me like a prisoner and that you, you're the master of the plantation and this is something that we're trying to get away from and, and by you making statements like that it's like you're the master you know so i don't quite get that you know everyone is saying is trying to make things better but these owners are going to be who they are. So when you make a comment like that, I'm not with that. Well, see, here's, here's the thing about it. And if you go back to the origin of what all of these problems, how all of these problems really surfaced in the NFL, because we know what is happening in society. Colin Kaepernick took a knee and he did it to, to really bring light, shed light on a number of issues in society, not the least of which is criminal justice reform and the inequity of how African-Americans are treated by law enforcement. So then you turn around and use this saying, this figure of speech to describe your players. I mean, that's the last sort of analogy you would want to use. I mean, you 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 really, that's the last thing you want to use. And I think it, it gives the public, people like the players and like many of us, an opportunity to say, see, that's what we're talking about right there. Because I think even though it's off the cuff, and I don't think it was so off the cuff, by the way, but even if it was an off the cuff remark with, with, with no malice, it reveals what you, a, a subconsciousness, uh, of how you really feel about these guys. And I said in a previous podcast, these guys need to, the, the players, and the players' union need to make these owners understand that we are partners and treat this more like a partnership and less like sort of employer-employee. I mean, obviously that's the dynamic in place, but you're also the most highly skilled people in the world. No one else can do what these guys do, these 53 men on each roster every single Sunday. You, you know, you could try to have scrub players and, and scabs and all of those things, but at the end of the day, these are the quali- the highest performing, highest qualified people, sp- this, this specialized skill. They're the best in the entire world of doing it. And that comes with, you know, hey, certain privileges as a workforce. You are a p- corporate partner with the NFL, and they really have to sort of get a backbone and make some decisions. And if that means missing out on a paycheck for half a season or a season, I, I don't think it will ever happen because, they, they, look, a lot of these guys are young. They're like, it's not my fight. A lot of them, they have no social awareness. And that's why the NFL really kind of tried to bulldog their way through this entire thing by saying, well, we, look, we'll just get rid of the problem, which is Colin Kaepernick, and the rest of this will go away. What happened was they should have signed Kaepernick from the beginning, and none of this would be going on today. I mean, what are your thoughts on, on all of that? It still goes back to some of the things that these owners are saying, and and this I think I mentioned this earlier, is that when Colin Kaepernick stated that he was going to file the, the suit or the grievance, whatever, against the, uh, the, NFL, the NFL. for collusion, right? Yeah, collusion. A lot of people are saying, hey, why don't Colin Kaepernick come out and talk? Why doesn't he say something? Why doesn't he do this? But I think Colin Kaepernick is extremely smart by not saying anything because 
his message was for uh, equality and the social justice. This got twisted from completely what he was talking about. But now the collusion is when you look at this, he if, even if you say he's not a starter, he's good enough to be a backup. And then when other players have went down, you go and get other quarterbacks like Jay Cutler that's retired that already had a deal to go into the television booth. So now, you know, you can say it, but you can't prove it. Yeah. And by you think about it, if – Bob McNair is saying things like this, supposedly behind closed doors that has gotten out. Colin Kaepernick just may have something on some of those owners for saying don't sign him. And sometimes you got to hold that tongue and keep your trump card until the right time because if you let it out, then they'll try to downplay that, hey, let's, let's, let's get him over here. Let's try to pay him off real quick. This doesn't come out. But he can expose a lot of things. He just may have something. We don't know. We got to sit and wait. So if and I think ultimately what I think the NFL should do, even until he is able to find a career on the field, I think the league should hire him in some capacity to sort of say, okay, now now we've we've shed light on the, the, the NFL is so large, it's so it's so encompassing of all aspects of society. Uh, we need somebody to help us navigate that. We need a a point person, and, and maybe Colin Kaepernick could be that person if he wants to be. I don't know. I, I don't know what he wants, and that's my problem with with Colin Kaepernick in this whole thing. And we, I compared him to to what in, uh, Muhammad Ali did when Muhammad Ali fought for his cause. He was constantly talking about it. He was going on college tours. He, anywhere he could open a microphone, he was talking about his beliefs, why he's doing what he's doing, his convictions. And I think that Colin Kaepernick has let everybody else around him uh, really sort of speak up on his behalf. And I, I do think that that has not been beneficial. And I think that he could have galvanized the whole movement by being the voice of the movement. And I, I can't quite understand the silence. I, I really think that that has been detrimental. But this is the fight that he started. So sometimes these things aren't for us to understand because— Well, you can't start the fight and then leave the fight. No, no, he, <laughs> he, he hasn't left because he's still in this fight by filing the grievance against the NFL owners. So now you won't hire me. Why? I know I'm good enough. So there's something going on, and you're saying that it's not. So maybe you guys have said something. You don't go out now and you know speak and say, "Well, I got a tape because no, you said even, it." Even if you, not even not even in relation to his employment status, mm -hmm. I think that he should be out speaking about. I mean, he's speaking silently with his money, and right. I know that he's speaking sort of in these the, these low key tones where he's liking certain posts and sending out messages like to Jamel Hill and other people who have, have spoken up on his behalf. And But, you know, his girlfriend has done a lot of tweeting. And, and, and I just think that in this situation, if you are about that life, go ahead and, and lead the way. And, and not, as, not the NFL situation, that'll work itself out however it does. You, you know, and he knew it. He knew when he did what he did that he might be sacrificing his career. Right, exactly. But I think that if he really wants to have the impact that he can, I think that he should continue to speak out on the causes that he believes but, in. But he just signed a book deal. So you don't fight a fight. It's just like the old saying with the race. This is a marathon. It's not a sprint. You don't do this quickly. This is well, a marathon. Is, so America has a, a short attention span. If you don't capitalize on this thing, and really, it was Trump that brought it back up because it was starting to, the, it was just starting to die down a little bit. Then Trump brought it right back right, to the forefront, which, is, which to his favor. Well, so, he did it to distract from other things. Yeah, obviously. but it came to Colin Kaepernick's favor. So now it's still going. So now it's gotten to where he can file his grievance. 
So now the green you gonna it's gonna keep being talked about. See the owners sometimes they step put their foot in their own mouth. Well, that's what we like, saw with and we saw Jerry with Magnet. And so it, it's steady going, and then eventually when you come out with something on them, then they'll start scrambling. and They're gonna try to have to figure this thing out. So I think he's playing it right for, for the greater good. I thought that he owes it. I think he does owe it to the people to to speak out. So what, more, but what should he say? Well, he should speak on behalf of his cause. He's, I thought all along he should say, hey, I do want to play football. I, I don't think that you give anybody any any wiggle room. You know, no, you have no – and I know that they'll create more wiggle room somehow, but you don't you don't give them a path and say, well, I don't know. We're not sure he even wants to play. Let me ask no, this. You get a, say, say you want to play. Let me ask this. Did Jay Cutler say he wanted to play football? He said, no, I'm retired. So this is the thing. He didn't say he wanted to play. They went and got him. So why should he have to? This is now he shouldn't have to. But I'm saying but, you remove the wiggle room because you don't. You want to remove every excuse they have so you can further prove that it is collusion. And so now here you go. Jay Cutler didn't say he wanted to play. You went and got him. What's the difference between myself and Jay? I, I understand what you're saying, but I'm not even talking about the comparison between the two. I'm saying don't give anybody an out. Don't say don't. And certainly you you don't you want to say. Publicly, yes, I want to play. I understand I may have to take a backup role. I don't have to break the bank by signing a contract. I want to play football. You, you because again, what, are, what have been the arguments? The arguments are, well, he wants to be a starter. Well, you can eliminate that by speaking on that. Then you can say, well, he, he wants a certain amount of money. You can eliminate by speaking. Let me finish. He hadn't said anything, and that's the problem. And so this is the this these are the things that he, he can help alleviate. And again, he shouldn't have to. He should be in the league, but he's not. And this is what you do to put the pressure right back on the owners. What he's done this way is worked out a little bit in that a long, long way down the road. What's happened is the owners have put their feet in their mouths. You know, See, I, with so, his case like that, there they've went and got players out of retirement. Not not just Jay Cutler and guys who've never played and, the and league. Never, and, I and, get and, it. and then make him a bag of. They don't even bring him in to ask him. Right. That's on them. Quarterbacks are going down. Aaron Rodgers is down. They're not. We're not going to get anybody else. My man, Carson, uh, Carson, Carson Palmer's Palmer down. down. Thursday night, Flacco done went down. This is second time. Yeah. So, yeah. so what's the deal? You won't go reach out to him. You reach out to everybody else. Why? Well, what makes him the exception that he's got to go tell y'all he want to right, play? I, I understand no, no, no. that he shouldn't have to, but I think that that puts that pressure right back on them. And and like I said, and, and you know, I think that it also furthers his cause. Eric Reed went on The View a few weeks ago, and he talked to middle America, and he said, wait a minute, we're not militant, we're not defined, these are the things, and people went away from that saying, wow, I didn't know. Because contrary to what you and I believe, there are a lot of folks that don't they don't really know or understand, or under, they, they go by what other people know have said about the situation. We've examined it closely. That's our job. That's what we do. Right. We lived it. But middle America, they don't know. They, you know he's protesting. He's a middle. And then you hear a guy like Eric Reed who took a knee with Colin Kaepernick. He was such a well-spoken, thoughtful, calming presence saying, okay, this is why we did what we did. And that went a long way in diffusing a lot of people's attitude that we don't even think about. People in middle America, housewives and uh, different demographic. So that's that's all I'm saying with that situation. But let's move forward a little bit till tomorrow. Uh, will the Texans have any kind of display? Will the players have any kind of uh, display, any kind of protest? Do you see that happening? I don't know about a protest as far as the team 
they they may well they'll show some kind of solidarity well, maybe grab, grab link arms. yeah something like that but I'm not even looking for him to play well. And I wonder, this this is my question. I wonder if any of the white players were offended. We know that DeAndre Hopkins and Dante Foreman walked out and didn't practice, and 10 more guys walked out and came back. I wonder if any of those players were white. And I wonder if the white players take offense. And if not, they're saying that they understand that this this was addressed towards black players. Yeah, of course, they. they I, don't, I don't. We don't know, but so no, let's no, not but, presume. To no, know. I'm just saying. Even though the comment was made, I think they were like. That, that's what what you think, but what do what do the white players think? That's no, what no. I'm, I'm talking about the white players. Yeah, I I think that the white players were saying, and that's a crazy statement, man. That that's wrong. I actually think they said that. Okay, but I'm saying, do you think when? Okay, when he said sons of bitches, it seemed well, like the Trump. It, yeah, that when Trump said sons of bitches, it seemed like well, obviously the black community was in an uproar, and even with the McNair statements, the NAACP and uh, the black legislators here in, in Texas and Houston, they spoke up and took it personal. Of Do you think what I'm saying? I would love to see more white players say, "Wait a minute, he, he's calling me an inmate too." But by the fact that we may not see that. They recognize that the what that that were racial undertones to the statement. You you get what I'm saying? Well, I I think with the we're not gonna let the inmates run the prison. I don't think this is just me. I don't think the white players took that to offense more than the black players because I still go back to what we have 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 had to go through as a people. So I think the white players understood it and can take offense to it but not, not like us yeah not because not yeah. yeah they, they you know I'm, and i have white friends and there's some good people and i think they took offense to it and they'll look at, at you as being the black person and say hey man i understand i understand how you feel so they're trying to protect almost their race by saying you know i, I know i'm white but don't look at me different because i understand and i don't look at you like that right you know right. we're all not bad you know, yeah, and, so and and that's the way I look at it. Yeah, and we'll have to see how this plays out. I, I do think there'll be some sort of protest, obviously on the Seattle side, but this will be a first because the Texans were one of the last organizations that you would expect to protest from. Because McNair, I think you know, and one of my criticisms, I have been a vocal critic of the Houston Texans for many years because of this philosophy that we're only going to have, we're going to win in the, the Texans way. We're only going to have certain kind of guys. And my thing is just win the damn game. I don't care how you do it, win the game. And my rule, what's my rule? If you're out of jail that day, you can play. Because this is a violent game. This is football. This is not, you, this is not the clergy. You're not a lawyer. You're not a legislator. You, you know, you're not anybody responsible for the, the community. You are a violent football player. And so, if you are out of jail that day, you can play football. But the NFL, because they want to make all of the money, they wanted to clean. They they want to clean the image up of the guys, and they want to they want to hold them to a higher standard. Not because not because they care. It's because they know that it affects the bottom line. And one of the things I said in episode thirty six is you have to teach these owners things in the way that they know how to learn, and that's through financial means. And companies are not, they're not judge, good judges of character. They're not about the moral compass. They don't care about right and wrong. They care about dollars and cents. They care about profits and losses. And in the way you teach them is it, through finance. It, it, it's good you brought that up. Let me ask you a question. Through the protest, the, the owners are saying that can't do that because it's affecting my bottom line. Talking about sponsors. 
Now you look at the money with the sponsors. How many are going to pull because of the comment he made? Exactly. Not going to do it. That's my thing. They all think like that. We just got to understand it. But, you know, by yeah, know. by we, you we taking by you taking a knee, a knee they going to pull a sponsorship. Well, but, but the owner but, making these kind but, of but comments. See, I, I mean, understand this. Understand. See, this is where the whole Trump thing comes in. Trump made that created a racial undertones and, and it started to be racial undertones. And obviously what in uh, a Kaepernick was not even being pro black. He was being pro right. And, 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 and that's, what's getting lost in all of, of this. But, but a lot of people are, are interested in framing this in along racial lines. Again, it's divide and conquer, not just dividing black people, but dividing society in the parts that we can exploit, and I can get deep on the political side. We see why and how, why this is happening, how this has been affected. You divide people up into groups. They say, well, I don't have a job. Well, yeah, you don't have a job, and we're going to work. We're going to get that job back because it's it's those people's fault that you don't have a job. And, and then now you say, well, hey, I have a, a, a black supervisor, and why I can't be the supervisor? Well, you know, well hey, we're going to make America great again. It's something done by dictators around the world. When their economy is not going well, that's why America is so hated around the world. Because people say, well, hey, why are we, you know, why are we living in, in stone houses in Syria and, and in the Middle East? Well, it's not our fault. Blame America. So now you have half the world hating America because dictators and leaders from around the world, instead of taking responsibility for making their communities better, they, they outsource and say it's somebody else's fault. And that's what I think is happening here. But, I mean, we could go on and on on the political side, but it'll be interesting to see what happens moving forward. And the, the last thing I want to talk about on this side of the uh, of the subject is the, the predicament of Rick Smith. Rick Smith, the African-American general manager in the league, and there's several, but, it, you know, it's only one of 32 jobs. He has a job. He's very close to the McNair family. Bob McNair is the the godfather of Rick Smith's, one of Rick Smith's children. Uh, what do you do if you're Rick Smith? What should we as the African-American community or what, what what should we expect from him or what do what should we want from him? Want the politically correct answer? Oh, no, just tell the right me your answer. opinion. What, what okay. do you what do you what do you want to see Rick Smith do, and what do you expect him to do? Well, my thing is, if you're that close to me, I can talk to you, and I can tell you the real deal. Okay, because so if he has those conversations, is it his responsibility to let us know that he's no? He doesn't have to let you know, but he can go tell him, and he can go tell him, "Hey, man, I took offense to what you said because I'm still black." You're my friend, but that was wrong what you said. And I think you need to get out here and apologize to everybody else, not just the players. And you I offended I, you offended a whole nation of people, man, by that comment you said. If you're my friend, because with my best friend, Kevin Granger, if I'm out of line, Kevin will come to me and say, hey, look, you were wrong for that. And I can't fall out with him because he's earned that respect. So if Rick Smith is that close and you earn that respect – he should be able to check Bob Now, He so, don't have to do it in public, but he so can you, check him. So you don't care if he comes out publicly? Well, he should say something, but by you coming out publicly, it's not going to change my perception of him because now I so know what you are. So if he goes to the man and talks to him like you suggest, but he doesn't say anything publicly – you you're talking about Bob McNair. I'm talking about Rick Smith. If Rick, Rick Smith goes to Bob McNair yeah. and talks to him, are you saying that won't change your opinion of Rick Smith? Because I know a lot of people well, want him to quit. I don't know what people want him to no, do. No, don't quit because that's how you feed your family. Get the money. But my thing is, if you're that close to Bob McNair, right. 
You need to check Bob McNabb. But should he come out with a statement on his own? That's what I'm saying. Because yeah, I, I mean, I yeah. think he should. Yeah, he now he should. You're talking about Rick Smith come Rick out Smith should and come, come out. out with a statement. He doesn't no, no, to. I think he needs to do it. I think both he and McNair both need to they come out look. publicly. Not not hide behind a statement. Come no, out. No, and, no. And, that's and, what I'm saying. He needs to come. That's what I'm saying. He needs to come out and he can make a statement. He doesn't have to blast McNair, but he can share his his view on it. And then if Bob McNair comes out, that's on him. But yeah. Rick Smith needs to come out and make something out publicly to the people about how he feels about it. And then that'll change the perception of what people think about him. But what? maybe he doesn't care because sometimes people tell you, I'm going to get my money. I'm going to roll on a poll question on this one. And I also, uh, so for the next episode, we can ask people about this whole, the Rick Smith angle of this entire story. Well, with that, we're going to wrap up the first half of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade, episode 38. When we come back, it's going to be all things NBA. You're tuned in to the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast on iTunes. Tune in and SoundCloud. From the land of grain, plenty pain, pain. 84's in the corner grill. It's Texas, baby. Dirty South, South. P-H-E, you know we real. We packing K's, Desert E, A-R's and them 38's. We serving nothing but China White. Player, we don't sell that dirty weight. Big fun beater, hold it down. Rep the town to the fullest. Whether it be on the mic or in them streets, but send them bullets. Don't pull it with me. I won't pull it on you and leave you ventilated. UGK is back on the block and you mark this thin, I hate it. I chunk up the deuce for the south and the north. Boys talking down and boys wanna hate. Welcome back to episode 38 of the Sports Talk with Devin Wade podcast. The Silver Fox hanging in. And we didn't do a lot of features this time. We're just having general conversation. A lot is going on. And Kev, this is the time of year that we could do a show every day. And oh, yeah. I, I hate that I don't get an opportunity to come to the folks every day. And we, we may find ways to come to you in a more uh, frequent fashion because I know a lot of folks want to hear our perspectives and uh, they love the kind of dialogue we have. But I want to change directions here. And well, before I do that, I do want to remind folks, you can tweet me and at Wade's Word and tweet Kevin at... Alan, Alan Ron 10, at Alan, Alan Ron 10. Spell it for them so they'll a- know which Alan. A-L-L-E-N... A L L E N R O N one zero. There we go. And so, uh, and then uh, the sports talk with Devin Way page. You can also uh, the group page and the fan page on Facebook. And you can always comment on the on SoundCloud or on iTunes. Well, I'm I'm anxious to see what you guys have to say. Well, I want to again get into basketball, and the reason why is because I have been the one for the last couple of years. And Kevin, you you know this. I said, well, what's the point of the regular season? What, why, why do we? Why should we care? The finals are predetermined, and and I think that the finals are predetermined this year. However, I'm gonna give you five reasons why I'm loving the NBA, and I think that you guys should get into the NBA this year because again, it's, it's an exciting time. So here are my reasons, and these are just a few because I'm I'm really been on basketball in a way that I haven't <laughs> in many years this early in the season. First and foremost, the Wild Wild Western Conference. The Wild Wild Western Conference, I can say that because night in and night in out is so tough to win. One through what, 10? What are the gimme games in the West? Probably against Sacramento and, and Phoenix, and that's about it. And the Lakers. Well, not yet, because, again, the Lakers, they, they beat New Orleans. Uh, they beat in overtime. They beat the Washington Wizards. So not, not relative, but no. The two gimme's are, are – 
pretty much Sacramento and Phoenix and the Lakers. Now, I, didn't they win? Did they win last night? They lost last night. They blew it to Toronto. Blew eighteen point lead. Yeah, but but again, they beat the Wizards and, and John Wall the night before in overtime, and, and they, they spoiled they, his. They coasted. They, but anyway, yeah. but yeah. The, the the bigger point, the bigger point is, every night you come out in the West, it's tough. You look at Minnesota, and I'll get to them a little bit later. Uh-huh. So let me, but I'm saying night in and night out in the Western Conference, it's just a tough, tough night to win. And and I said you said this before, and I I tweeted this, but we think alike on this. I don't think that LeBron wants to come to the Western Conference. Doesn't. I've been saying that for a long time, and it's people that said, well, LeBron has been to eight finals in a row, but he walks through the East. It's nothing there. If you come to the West. LeBron doesn't want to go and play Kawhi Leonard four times. He don't want to see Golden State four times. And then Blake Griffin and, and Blake and Griffin and the Thunder and the Rockets and the, you know have to see these people throughout the season. Yeah. And this is the the thing that I, I catch a lot of flack about. I kind of tweet things out here at Facebook about the LeBron James thing, and people say, "Kev, yeah, you're crazy." You know, LeBron James is this and LeBron James is that, but he's doing it in the in the East. But coming in that West, every night every it night. is tough. And you yeah. now Minnesota's good. Well, and, and, and I'm going to get to Minnesota. Yeah. That's why I don't want to spoil it. But Portland is a team. Every team you look at in the West, you, you're going up against a yeah, top-tier player. Yeah. A, top, a stud every night. Or two and, or three. Right, right. You look at Portland with Lillard and McCollum. Yeah. And, and you know, look at San Antonio, which again, that that's an old team. But you're going against Popovich yeah. and, and Lamarcus Aldridge and Kawhi Leonard. You right. know, what I mean, you put Popovich almost like on another level as a coach in the league. And reason number two, Demarcus Cousins. Demarcus Cousins is my favorite player this year, and I've not been a fan of him because he's been a knucklehead and you couldn't count on him. But this year. This dude, okay, so the, the Pelicans are what, two and three on the season? Yeah, like two and three. And Cousins is averaging 33 and 14.2 rebounds a game with 4.8 assists and 2.8 blocks. And he's coming off of a, a 40 20 game the other night, shooting 34% from three point range, and he's 6'11. He can do it all for a big guy. He can take the big guys off the dribble from the three point line. He can hit the three-pointer. He can put his back to the basket. And you're playing with Anthony Davis. You, If you can get Rondo healthy, you got Drew Holiday on that team. Jameer Nelson has come in and did a, a really good job coming in off the streets to provide some some assistance during this time where, where they're having injuries. They're a top eight team in this conference, I think. I, I just These are some special guys. I, mean, I, I don't know if they can figure it in out. In that West, that top eight is tough. I mean, you – you, you look at it, you're talking about Golden State. You're talking about OKC, San Antonio. Houston. Houston. Clippers. Memphis. Minnesota. New Orleans. Portland. I mean, I'm missing somebody in there. Hey, man, it's tough over there. So to get in that eight. Somebody got to go, yeah. Yeah, somebody be in the lottery. So so that's the second reason that I'm loving the, the NBA this year. Third reason, Oklahoma City. And I'm really liking – Carmelo Anthony for the first time in his NBA career. And, and how all that is coming together with Westbrook. And when you talk about Paul George playing well on that team, then you add to the mix Carmelo. You know, Westbrook, Carmelo, and George, man, what a trio. 
And that, they're fun to watch. And really, Westbrook, we watched it together. We watched it on on, on uh, League Pass from different locations. But we were on the phone, right? And you and you said it. You talked. You said, "Look, because I've been saying, I said, hey, man, Westbrook has been deferring all game long. He getting he's getting these guys involved. The game before it was Paul George who was the star of the team. And you said, well, wait. He said, I've been watching the game. This is what Kevin said. I've been watching the game, and these guys have been missing shots. Watch what happens down the stretch. Westbrook is going to take all the shots. He's going to take over. Lo and behold, that's exactly what happened until the very last play. You <laughs> called the last play, too. You said, look, it'll go to Westbrook. if they, When they double him, watch. He'll kick it to Carmelo. Carmelo can hit the open shot. What happens? They double. And this gets the, the Timberwolves. What happened? They double him, send bodies towards him, kick it to Carmelo. He hits the shot on thing. Andrew Wiggins came back on the other side in <laughs> his other <laughs> shot. So, I mean, that was a, a, a super entertaining game that probably nobody saw. Right. I mean, when I say the masses, the, I mean, masses, the general right. public didn't see. But this that is was a, a great— Now, watch this, Devin. Now, this is, this is why I used to take up for Westbrook, and a lot of people wouldn't watch the games. But you saw it, and that guy will pass the basketball. Yes. And a lot of people, oh, man, he don't pass— and this he, he passes more than Kobe did. You know, Kobe would get this thing where he would pass in the, in the quarters beginning. one through three. In the fourth quarter, he wasn't passing to anybody <laughs> for anything. And, and Westbrook hadn't been that way, especially this season. Right. And I think that's why that experiment is going to work better than I think the Rockets experiment with Chris Paul and James Harden. I don't know. Now, what, watch what? this. It's amazing because Carmelo and Paul George has come out now. And they said, hey, look, do what you do. We'll fit in. You're deferring. You just do you. We'll get everything else done. And that's amazing when you got guys like that because his shots have gone down and things like that. And I told people, say, hey, when you got Camelo and now Paul George, his shots are going to go down, but his assists are going to go up. He had 16 assists the other night. I say, so this dude may have 50 or 60 triple doubles this year. You know, so it won't be hard for him to get 10 points. You already knew if he could get 10 assists with the bombs he played with last year. <laughs> and now you got these guys. His assists are going to go up. Now, uh, my reason number four why I love the NBA, Washington Wizards and the Minnesota uh, T-Wolves. Now, you look at that Washington team, and I don't think that they can contend in the East. I just don't. But you had Bradley Bill, Otto Porter, John Wall, who was a premier guard in this league, uh, Gortat. You have uh, in the Oubre. And it was a missing, Houston guy. And you're missing the Morris boy. Yeah. The Morris guy. Uh-huh, I didn't be. mean to see, say boy out here, y'all. I didn't mean to say that. But the Morris <laughs> guy. I got to clean that you got up. The, no, you had a complexion Mr. for protection on that yeah, one. Yeah, Mr. Morris, I apologize, sir. <laughs> but, yeah, I'm the Morris guy. So. And then Minnesota with Butler and Wiggins. Carl uh, Anthony and, Towns. And, and Carl and Cat. I mean, yeah. that is a fun team to watch. You, so these are fun teams to oh, watch yeah. night in and night out, win or lose. The the, the Wizards lose in overtime to, to the, the Lakers, Lakers, but it still was a, a super exciting game. game. Right. And, and so these are good things. And the final reason why, and probably the number one reason why, this is the reason why all the other four reasons have come to light for me. Fantasy basketball. Oh, my Every God. night I'm on DraftKings, and I am gambling every night. Last night I won two out of four. Night before I won three out of four. And what it does, what fantasy basketball does, and I'm talking about daily fantasy, is that every night you're watching watching the games because you have a vested financial interest in what happens. But beyond that, you really get to watch guys you wouldn't normally pay attention to because you have a $50,000 imaginary budget to spend. So you're only going to get a couple of stars. 
So then that means you have to get some really middle-of-the-road or inexpensive guys to step up and add to your fantasy team for you to win some money. And you So not only do you look at your stars, you look at guys like, okay, what is Patrick Beverly doing? What is Trevor Booker for Brooklyn doing? Lure, what is he doing? You know, what is-